Alrighty, so today I've got three topics on the agenda, and I want to outline the high-level benefits of listening into the show today uh, so that you can quickly ascertain whether or not this is an episode you'd like to listen to. The first topic I will talk about are weightlifting shoes and the benefits of weightlifting shoes, particularly for squats, as well as maybe leg pressing as well. And hopefully that can inform those of you who are thinking of getting weightlifting shoes, whether or not that's a good call for you. The second issue I talk about today is how to mitigate weight gain after a fat loss phase and sort of a brief discussion around that. And I give at least four tips that are practical in nature that can assist you in not doing what we call sort of yo-yo dieting and picking up all the weight after a fat loss phase. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about is I stumbled across a study that basically claims that using the Wim Hof method for a short period of time doesn't seem to benefit individuals for their heart health and their mental well-being. And I want to, I'm going to go into uh, why the study potentially doesn't necessarily address the issue of whether or not the Wim Hof method is effective or not effective um, and the limitations of that study and how to think about reading uh, research sometimes so that you don't get the wrong idea or the wrong takeaway from the research. And so without further ado, I would like to welcome you to Fitness for Fatherhood, the podcast helping first-time fathers find the time to regain their health and fitness to become the superhero dads their kids look up to. I'm Stace Liddell, your host, a qualified personal trainer, two-time amateur physique competitor, and a freshly minted dad. I firmly believe that a healthy body and mind are the cornerstones to a fulfilling life. Get ready to gain actionable tools and strategies from real-life examples to take control of your health and fitness to become the superhero dad your kids can look up to. Okay, so let's just dive straight into the first topic. And I want to talk a little bit about weightlifting shoes and why you might consider getting yourself a pair. And nowadays you can actually pick up a pair that's not too expensive that will get the job done. So the reason why many people swear by weightlifting shoes is that it does change the mechanics of your squat a little bit. And I think the biggest benefit from weightlifting shoes is actually in the squat. I'll talk a little bit about the leg press as well and why I think sometimes they aren't as necessary for the leg press nowadays. But let's first talk about some proponents of weightlifting shoes, or one big proponent of weightlifting shoes, should I say. And that is a gentleman by the name of Tom Platts. Anybody who's been following bodybuilding for a long time will probably be familiar with Tom Platts. And if you aren't, a simple Google search will show you that his nickname is the Quad Father. I think he's also known as the Golden Eagle because he used to dye his hair sort of like a peroxide white blonde. So he's also known as the Golden Eagle, but his other nickname is the Quad Father and for very good reason. He had insane quad development back in the golden era of bodybuilding. I think his highest placing 
at the Olympia was third. I don't remember the year, but I, I believe that is his highest ever placing. But his legs were just always dominant. He was incredibly, incredibly gifted when it came to his leg development. And even now, Tom's much older now, but even nowadays, his legs still look incredible for his age. And he swears by weightlifting shoes. And you may have come across some of his videos on YouTube or perhaps on Instagram. Uh, There's a lot of clips of him explaining why he likes to use the weightlifting shoe for the squat. And the big reason that he advocates for them is that number one is that when you raise the heel, the force that is produced in the squat is being mostly produced from the quads. And that's exactly what you want, right? You don't want the other muscles to be the dominant muscle groups in your squat because you're targeting the quads predominantly for your squat. If you squat with flat feet, what you might find is that the glutes do a lot of the work. The glutes are the butt muscles, right? So by raising that heel slightly, you are changing where the force production is coming from or where the force production is going to, right? So if you're looking to prioritize leg development, weightlifting shoes might be a great way to increase the volume that you're putting onto the quads. If we just think about the mechanics of the squat a little bit, having that raised heel is also going to allow your knees to have a little bit more forward travel and your torso is able to stay more upright, especially if you have restrictions in the mobility of your ankles. So people that are very mobile in their ankles, they might find that weightlifting shoes don't really give them that much benefit. But if you're somebody who finds themselves getting sort of stiff and stuck through your ankles, I really would recommend getting a pair of weightlifting shoes for your squats. Some of you may be interested to know whether or not I use weightlifting shoes. At the moment, I don't. I've tried in the past, and the problem that I found is that in my subjective experience, I didn't like the feeling of my knees in the in the weightlifting shoes. I have had some problems with my knees in the past, and I have mentioned in previous podcasts that I've had two surgeries on my right knee and I don't know it just didn't make me feel very comfortable that uh, extra forward knee travel that I experienced wearing the shoes and another thing for me is I have pretty decent ankle mobility so squatting deep for me and hitting the quads more hasn't really ever been a problem for me so um, right now I'm not using them but perhaps that may change in the future and if, if I do change an update. I'll let you know which ones I get, if they're worth it, and my updated experience with them. Before I move on to the next topic, I just want to touch quickly on the leg press. And some people may have a preference for the weightlifting shoe in the leg press. But what I found nowadays is that most leg press machines have a platform that allows you to get into a deep leg press position without needing weightlifting shoes. Um, I think the platform is designed for that, for those people who 
who would otherwise need weightlifting shoes to get into that deep range of motion, um, I think those companies have kind of cottoned on to making the angle of the platform at such an angle that you don't need that extra support from weightlifting shoes to get the depth required for a full range of motion. And something that I've found, I've also used weightlifting shoes, I've tried them on the leg press, and if you're, if the angle of the platform is already manipulated to help you get into a deeper position, it does feel really unnatural, at the, especially at the bottom of the, of the leg press, when you're wearing weightlifting shoes, because it's kind of like forcing your your ankle joint into a weird position. And so, like I mentioned earlier, I think the main benefit people are going to see from a weightlifting shoe is most likely going to be in the in the squat positions and not so much on the leg press. All right, so I hope that helps those of you considering buying a pair of weightlifting shoes to make the correct decision for yourself. And sometimes it's hard to really make a judgment call until you've actually tried a pair on and had a subjective feel to see if they actually suit you in the gym. They might, in theory, be great for targeting the thighs, but if they make you feel really uncomfortable in the squat like they did with me, they might not be a good option. All right, so the next thing I want to talk about is metabolic adaption that happens during a fat loss phase. And how it's possible, or if it's possible, to try and not regain too much of the weight that you lost. And this is something that's very near and dear to my heart because I've experienced this when I was bodybuilding, uh, rapid gain of weight, especially after my second show. And it's just something that a lot of people run into with diets, especially diets where they don't really incorporate a lot of weight training as part of their routine, and then they find themselves yo-yoing, going up and down in weight, and ultimately it can be very demotivating for that individual, and sometimes they may even give up and basically say that, oh, well, diets don't work, because every time I go on a diet, I just put the weight back on. So... I think what's important here is to understand that your metabolism is going to change as you diet. So if you are bulking up, I did post an episode, a previous episode actually, that talks about how we need to adjust calories up when we eat and some of the practical problems that you may run into with a bulking diet. And on the way down, you can also experience some problems as your your body basically adapts to to fat loss and basically goes into survival mode and tries to save as many calories as possible and then when you leave that fat loss phase those metabolic adaptions can cause you to pick up rate weight really quickly as a result so some general tips that I have for you, if you're coming out of a fat loss phase and you've done really well and you've lost the weight that you're trying to lose, I think it's really important to understand that diet is still going to be essential to not rebounding with your weight. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be super, super restrictive. I personally 
like to get my calories back up to maintenance after a fat loss phase. And I have some tips perhaps that you can use to help you readjust the increase in calories without putting on too much weight. So one thing that I always try to do is when I cut down, I try not to go way too far below my ideal weight. I find that, well, I found that with my first ever bodybuilding show, I went really low in weight and the rebound after I lost all the weight was quite severe. This is a slightly different situation to someone who's just doing a regular fat loss phase. If you're, for example, aiming to weigh 75 kilograms, there's no reason why you should take your fat loss phase right down to 65 kilos, 10 kilos below your weight. This is just a hypothetical example. I would say it's far better to try and get your weight maybe down to 72, 73, and then slowly reintroduce a few more calories to get you back up to your ideal weight of 75. The next thing that we need to aim to do here is to get the rate of fat loss right. So I spoke about this in a previous podcast episode. That is the episode titled Full Range of Motion and Sustainable Fat Loss for Fatherhood. If you haven't checked that one out, I think it would be great for you to maybe pause this and listen to how to reach a level of sustainable fat loss that isn't going to be demotivating and that will help you achieve your goals. And then maybe come back to this episode and it'll help you understand why the rate of fat loss is so important uh, to help you maintain that loss of weight into the long term. The third thing that I would do is I always prescribe resistance training for people who are in a fat loss phase. I think this is even more important on your way down. So when you are losing weight, particularly fat, it's important to maintain a resistance training program. And this will make sense to you if you think about what happens when you stop your diet and you go, and you increase calories. If you already have a, a strength training routine in place, not only will you be more muscular, and let's not forget that muscle is highly metabolic, so it's burning a lot of energy. So not only are you burning more energy from a basal metabolic rate, from a set point, um, but you're also going to maintain that habit or hopefully maintain that habit going forward as you increase calories so you won't gain as much weight as someone who's sedentary if that makes sense and then finally when you finish your your weight loss phase and your and your calories increase it's highly important to think about ways to increase your activity and these come from as i mentioned already a good resistance training program where you're going to be training super hard. And it's also important to think about things such as your NEAT, your non-exercise activity thermogenesis. You know, these are like uh, twiddling your fingers or fidgeting in your seat. Those things also tend to increase a little bit as you get more energy. And to maybe uh, to be aware of not becoming 
too sedentary once your fat loss phase is over. And something that I think is so important here is to try and track your calories when your fat loss phase is over. To try and keep a thumb on just how much extra you're allowing yourself to eat. Um, We don't want to be overly restrictive here, but we also don't want to dive back into the old habits that got you to the weight that you were unhappy with. And that, I think, is really the crux of the matter, that when we go through these fat loss phases, we change our habits, we change our routines, we change our behaviors, and as a result, we're able to achieve the outcomes that we set out to do in the beginning. And then often we're surprised that when we go back to the old ways, we basically gain all the weight and that the diet was basically pointless and the training program was pointless. And that's something that you really need to be aware of, that to get a sustained change over the course of a a long time is going to require you to take a hard look at the habits that you were previously doing the habits that you did during your fat loss phase and to find the appropriate, sometimes appropriate balance or other times to realize that you need to actually just kick off the old habits and change the way that you approach diet and fitness moving forward. The last thing that I want to talk about today is a study that I stumbled across talking about the Wim Hof Method And I think it's important here to explain a little bit why I want to talk about this and then I can dive into it. Um, I'm always very interested in learning new ways to optimize health and especially heart health and mental health. Those two things are very important in our society at the moment. Uh, Cardiovascular disease kills so many people and mental health is becoming an overwhelming problem, especially for young men. Um, I actually believe that recently the suicide data is pointing to the fact that I think in the past it used to be it was one woman to every three men that were committing suicide. I think it's now up to one to four. So one woman for every four men that commit suicide. And uh, men's mental health is a really serious issue at the moment. Um, And I don't think the current methods of of trying to assist men in dealing with it are working. Um, but that's a topic for a completely different podcast, I guess. Um, so what is the Wim Hof Method? For those of you who haven't heard what it is, uh, this is a popular wellness technique that was developed by a Dutch extreme athlete. I guess that's what you could call him. His name is Wim Hof. And essentially, he's well known for his cold endurance feats. And his method tends to combine three main practices together. He does cold exposure, uh, which involves activities like, I mean, either taking cold showers or ice baths. Um, Wim Hof is obviously very famous for immersing himself into extreme cold water in the outdoors. So that's something else you could do. Um, He also has breathing techniques. Um, It's a very specific pattern of deep breaths uh, followed by breath holding and exhalation, and then finally meditation. And these obviously are used mainly to improve focus and reduce stress 
in the protocol. Um, I think something that I noticed in the study just off the bat in the way that they describe their breathing exercises may be problematic. I'm not quite sure if they necessarily followed exactly the breathing pattern that Wim Hof uses or used. Um, I believe he focuses really on hyperventilation. I'm not a practitioner of Wim Hof's methods, but I have seen him him use his breathing. And so already their description of the three, the second uh, practice of deep breathing may not exactly replicate Wim Hof's methods. So that's why it's important to break these studies down and, and look at them to see what the limitations are and whether or not they actually prove or disprove anything. All right, so what this study was about, it was to find out if practicing the Wim Hof method daily for 15 days could improve heart health and mental well-being. And here I think the researchers really focused in on heart health measures, things like blood pressure and heart rate and how fast the blood pulses through the veins. And then they also zoned in on mental well-being. So they measured stress levels, positive, negative feelings, and then the overall vitality or energy levels that the participants experienced. And I believe this study was 42 men. And I actually think it's 42 rather reasonably healthy men. And 21 of them did the Wim Hof method. And then 21 were in the placebo, sorry, not the placebo group, in the control group. There's no way to have a blinded placebo group in this kind of study because it's pretty obvious if you're in the in the group that's doing the Wim Hof method because it's so different from what the control group would experience. And here are the key findings of the study were that after 15 days, the Wim Hof method didn't seem to significantly improve either the heart health or the mental well-being compared to the con- control group. Um, so what this basically means is that the participants, as I said, all of which were healthy young men who practiced the Wim Hof method didn't change their heart health markers or psychological states in any way that was significant in terms of statistical significance. And so what does this mean for the Wim Hof method? Um, some would say that this means that the Wim Hof method is you know, completely debunked, doesn't work. But I would say that would be a hasty conclusion to make. What this might actually point to is the fact that the short-term practice may not make a significant difference to your heart health and mental well-being for healthy individuals. Now, what we don't know straight away, as you can see, is will this protocol benefit people who aren't healthy, people who have already experience some cardiovascular health problems or some uh, mental uh, wellness issues, some mental health issues, will they benefit from 15 days of doing this every single day? Well, we don't know because the study didn't include those kinds of participants into their study. And like I said, that's why you got to be very careful in reading these studies, not to just throw the baby out of the bathwater. I think even the study itself suggests that you can't really rule out the long-term effects of doing this practice or doing the practice uh, in a way that is more 
identical and in line with the way that Wim Hof describes it, which, as I said already, the breathing methods in the study, unless the wording is, is unless it was just a, a semantic wording of diff- difference of semantics in the wording, um, it doesn't seem as if their breathing was identical to Wim Hof's breathing. And I could be wrong there, but just from reading the study, that's, that's how it appears. Um, so what is the conclusion here? Well, I guess I've already kind of said it. I guess that, you know, when doing the Wim Hof method, I think it's important to realize that if you are a healthy individual already, you may not see acute benefits from doing the practice. Uh, if you're somebody who's not healthy, however, this might be something that you still want to consider and perhaps we need more research to come out and address that specific issue. Um, I think, I'm assuming here, I don't know Wim Hof, I haven't ever spoken to him, although I'd love to get the opportunity to do so. Um, I'm pretty sure he would say that this practice of his was never inclined to be a short-term, you know, sort of, hit it and quit it kind of method, I'm pretty sure he approaches it as a lifestyle choice, as a lifestyle decision that really the whole point of his his practice is to maintain it and to keep it as a sustainable practice over time. And I think that's where the research kind of needs to, to head towards to really ascertain whether or not Wim Hof's method is as great as what uh, so many of his followers claim, um, as you, if you look online, you'll see there's, there's thousands of people who have claimed that their lives have been changed by his method. So I guess the difficulty there would be uh, setting up a study that is really, really long, a long longitudinal study, as they call them, would be difficult because you'd have to encourage these people to to do this kind of a protocol for an extended period of time, which may be difficult to get compliance on. All right, and um, yeah, I hope that today's episode can help those of you, as I said, looking to see whether or not weightlifting shoes will work out for you or whether you can just stick to your, your current flat flatter shoes. And then we went through a little bit of trying to understand how to mitigate gaining a lot of weight after a fat loss phase and then round it up with something a little bit different, looking at a study um, talking about Wim Hof's method and whether or not that study could find it to increase heart health and mental health um, and with all the limitations and caveats surrounding this kind of study. And so I hope that that's helped some of you uh, to take some practical takeaways and continue to strive to the physique and the lifestyle that you want to have. And uh, I did also mention to maybe perhaps go back into the catalog of episodes and check in on a couple of the episodes that have a little bit more information that pertains to certain aspects of this episode. And yeah, I hope you're having a great weekend and can't wait for you to tune in next time. I've got some, some more interesting content on the way. And in the meantime, stay fit, stay strong, and... I hope that you can become the superhero dad that your kids will ultimately look up to. Cheers.